Hello, creators. You are backstage with Patreon, where we open the curtain on how to build a thriving business on Patreon. I'm Brian Keller from the Creator Success Team. And today, we have a Patreon creator, Luke Stratton, also known as Limithron, who makes beautiful maps and digital resources for role-playing games with a special expertise in pirate adventures. Luke is a lifelong artist, musician, and coder who, in addition to his creative business he runs online, tours with major musical groups like the Smashing Pumpkins, designing and running the stage lighting for arenas and other concert venues. Luke has a lot of insights to share about how to build a business around his passions and incorporating different revenue streams and promotional channels. So let's get started with Luke Stratton on Backstage with Patreon. And I'm sure people want to hear a little bit of that tour music experience before we jump into the role-playing game kind of side. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what do you love about getting to do lighting on shows? And maybe what's something people don't realize is actually a little bit more challenging being on the road? Oh, man, where to start? Well, my favorite thing about being a lighting director, if you will, and that's someone who's actually running the show, is it's basically like as close as you can get to professional guitar hero or professional rock band. You know, you spend a lot of time programming the show and working to design it. But then when it comes to actually running it, it's more or less scripted, but you need to really like nail it on time. And when you do, people go nuts. Like it's it's a very exciting thing. There are a lot of challenges, though. I travel. I've been out, for example, right now, I've been out since August 31st. It's about the middle of November. So I haven't been home. I haven't seen my family. It's kind of one of that. That's one of the struggles. The other day we had a VIP tour come through and I was doing laundry in this like dingy, like water filled backstage area that was not pleasant so there's there's ups and downs to it for sure but you know it's really fun to have a creative job and get to light a band i've been a fan of for years so very cool well i think the other thing that caught people's attention is pirates you've got such a a passion and and special interest here tell us a little bit about how you realized that was a a lifelong interest kind of for you and then how it led to this independent business on patreon that you picked up a few years ago. yeah well i have um i have a little short bio on my website uh, which is limithron.com i I don't know what about it, what it is about pirates. I, I think I rode the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at, at Disney World when I was really young. There's photos of me when I was like five on that ride or coming out of that ride with the little hat and the hook, you know. And then I got the Lego ship when I was older. And then I think when I was in my like late teens, early 20s, like after high school, uh, this game came out called the Pirates of the Spanish Main. And it was like a little punch out game, but the lore was really rich. Something about that undead kind of spooky grim dark vibe mixed with piracy i don't know it's just it captures all the fantasy elements that i love and that sense of adventure and i also like tropical you know drinks and beaches and stuff so i you know i've been on the road for about 10 years i went to went to college for guitar and when the pandemic hit i lost all my work you know we had a little bit of ppp money but it was dire times for basically my entire industry and i was running a D&D campaign online, a pirate-themed one, and I was, had been making these, like, Photoshopping these maps together to have all these different kinds of pirate ships. And I was like, you know what? I think I could maybe, like, do this, you know, and do a, start a Patreon. I had subscribed to other creators that had Patreons, and I was like, I think I could do this, you know? And and one of them, Che and Peku, Che specifically encouraged me to, like, yeah, you should maybe try doing this, do your own Patreon. So I started one, and by the end of COVID, it was, like, you know, 500 subscribers. I mean, it was basically like covering my expenses. And now it's grown to like I have a full-time employee and a part-time employee and we're doing all these conventions and I just got a publishing deal. So it's it's been very, very exciting. So Yeah. And it's such a resonant story of needing to find a new income stream, needing to find something to do when when other things kind of dry up there. 
it's interesting you mentioned talking to another creator kind of about that. We hear that as well. Did you know you wanted to check in on that? How did you decide that um, to get that validation to, to talk to another creator who already had a Patreon page set up? So Che and Peku, they do, they're kind of like the leaders in our industry, if you're a little niche, if you will. And they make like really colorful, vibrant, fun maps. But, you know, like they had done this pirate tavern and I, it didn't really fit what I needed for my specific game. So I had photoshopped it and then I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I photoshopped a, a, another set of their assets to make this like fort that you might find in like, you know, Assassin's Creed or something. And I sent it to Che just to be like, hey, dude, check out what I did. Like, this is this is fun. And he's like, you should share this. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I didn't I'm just stealing your stuff. Like, I didn't I wasn't like trying to share this with people. I just wanted you to see what I made. And he like was so into it and thought it was so unique. Like he didn't see his art. He saw my art. So he encouraged me to share it. And from there, it just kind of, I guess that put the spark in my head, you know? And I was like, oh, well, if I just had drawn those bricks myself, it would be all my own art. So, you know, one thing led to another. And and now um, we have a, a Discord server that Che runs with, you know, maybe 20 or 30 or maybe even more tabletop creators that are all people who are, you know, there aren't, too many beginners there now the most people have, you kind of have to get to a threshold to get the invite you know and we're all we all just workshop it's like our um water cooler hangout you know it's so cool to hear about all these sub communities yeah, yeah. with creators with, with patreon folks yeah, there sure. you mentioned um you have grown up to hire someone on your team and i know a lot of creators are maybe at that stage or thinking about it how did you make the decision that hey i'm ready to do that i want to bring someone else on and how did you find someone you could trust and could yeah that? well so i have i have two people who work for me in in regular capacities alan covers all, a lot of my social media and also you know uh, the patreon is obviously the main source of what i do but we also have a couple different web stores like for example roll 20 we have a web store and it's a lot of work to create the assets and then put them into all these different uh web funnels um so alan helps accomplish that and it just got to the point where i was like i mean i remember talking to my wife we were walking on my dogs and i was like dude can i afford to hire somebody like that just seems like we're throwing money away but like the it got to the point really quickly where it was like well my time is more valuable creating new stuff for people and engaging with those people than it is you know, filtering out to all these little things. So we just pulled the trigger and tried it. And, you know, those little things that he does cover the cost of having him. So it, it, it's been great. It's been actually a growth source for the company. Yeah, those are great messages about kind of figuring out, valuing your yes. own time about it. And also, how do you think about that ROI, right? The work that someone else can do, if that's essentially self-funding, that's a great step. To yeah, take. and you know, it's a little bit of a risk and you can't really, you know, you can't take a risk when it starts if, you, if you're just barely covering your expenses. But you figure out really quickly. And, you know, to sidebar, we, we had this really cool thing at Gen Con this year where a bunch of us from that tabletop guild got together. And, you know, I'm 39. And at this group of people, like, I felt a little old. But basically everyone there was, like, you know, s CEOs running small, independent role-playing game companies. Many of them netting, you know, are grossing over a million a year. So, uh, like, all from Patreon. So it's, like... We have kind of all had to learn how to not just be artists, but be entrepreneurs that can grow and manage small teams so that we can focus on the thing that is really what we want to be doing, you know? Do you like that moniker, thinking of yourself as a CEO of a small company? Some creators like that. Some want to stay away from that kind of framing. I've always been an, I don't want to say an entrepreneur because that kind of sounds like I've always been trying to like start the next Facebook or make a bunch of money. But like my first business was, I was a, a drum and bass rave DJ. And I would use my equipment to help other DJs record their mixtapes. It was called Triple R Studios, you know. 
And then after high school, I started a company writing software for hardware stores. So like for me, it's a natural progression of like I've, I've owned a bunch of different little businesses because I hate working for other people. I I just always think I can do things better than, than the people I'm working for. So that's why I work for myself. So for me, it's not really an option, but I have found that I am so hands-on that it's, I don't think I could ever be a medium-sized business CEO. I just, I want to do, put my hands on everything, you know? When you, you mentioned some different revenue streams, Roll20, so a, a role-playing game specific site there. Tell us a little bit about how you figured out, how do you combine Patreon, which already gives you monthly membership mm -hmm. revenue with other sources? And how do you balance where to spend your time? Well, our business model is built around Patreon. I'm a per creation creator, not a per month. So it's not just an automatic assumption. We kind of treat each paid release on the Patreon like a full pack. So for example, at the end of the month, I just released a like whale graveyard hangman's beach beach pack. And it comes with, you know, 20 different variations of the beach and then the assets to add your own whale bones and add rocks and whatnot. So the ideal platform is Patreon, and we want everyone to go to the Patreon. It's kind of like, well, yeah, you could throw us five bucks for one map, or you could come join for whatever pledge you have per release and get access to everything. So like, it's really a win-win. Like you're saying, hey, we're coming on board for the long run, but you know, we're going to help you kind of make what you want to make. So really, everything we make is based on the Patreon. I mean, I wouldn't make something with you know one like Gumroad in mind. It's just kind of like, well, some people don't use Patreon. I don't know why, but or they, or they don't want to sign up. People are scared for a, a subscription-based thing sometimes until they realize, oh, I could have spent that $5 I spent on this map, I could have got literally like 300 maps, you know, so. Yeah, and it really shows there's so many different models for using Patreon, whether it's monthly, whether it's per creation, how to really customize that. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to hear about your Kickstarter experience because sure. you're talking about a major book and, and project and uh, how that got started and, and where you are now. Yeah, so, um, well, we were playing a lot of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. And 5e is a great system. It's a, it's a great ecosystem for running games. But for pirate settings, like, you don't really need a level 20 pirate. Like, the, there's too much magic at the higher level. So we were always stripping down our game, level capping at level 6, and all these little, you know, details. And I, I found about this game called Morkborg, which is a kind of a Swedish hack of old school versions of D&D &D where there's way, way less rules, and it's much more you know gritty and your character can die at any moment but there's rules for making new ones on the fly and i'm like dude i should and they have a the best part is they have a totally open license so you can make anything for the game or hack it. it's a very community-based game so i'm like you know i should just hack this and make a little zine so we can play pirates with this you know so i did and at first i was matching their art style and then i, I wanted it to match my map so i did my own art style and before i knew it instead of like a 16 page zine it had grown into the final is 160 pages and we went to Kickstarter and I was hoping to like cover my costs, maybe get lucky and make $20,000. Now, this is another thing. A lot of people go to Kickstarter and they're like, oh, hey, you know, man, if I could get 10K, well, I can do a couple releases on Patreon and get that without asking anybody's opinion of what they think about I'm making. Kickstarter, you have, they have to want it before they click the button. So really, I just use Patreon to like seed fund the project and I would release demos to them, to my patrons. They get early access. Well, the, the Kickstarter ended up doing, I think we did uh, 4,000 backers and then another, you know, it ended up doing like a quarter of a million in crowdfunding by the time it was all done. And, you know, you can bet that the first question in my little backer survey is like, have you heard of the Patreon? Like, do you want to come check out the Patreon? Like, hey, you got, you got this pirate book. 
if you're playing online, do you need pirate? Ma- I mean, you know, it's like it is in a way a business move, but really it's more like, hey, come check out this like thing that we're making, you know, that all these little pieces that fit together. So, yeah, it's so smart to think about how do you have that cross pollination of your yeah. audience? If they found you somewhere, you, you bring it somewhere else. I mean, I think you do other forms of that, too. You have a newsletter. You have some free content on your website. How do those pieces? Oh, yeah. Out? Well, one of the big things that we learned from Chain Peku on Patreon is that every time I make a map, every time the core version is free it has a grid on it so if you're playing DD, you know sometimes you need a grid to move your character around but some people don't like grids all of our free ones have grids and they're half the resolution so they're they're not quite as detailed and they have a watermark but they're free and they go everywhere and this is like this is the the trick to running a DD patreon is you can basically promote your work in all these places and you're actually providing a service with a little business card at the bottom to say hey if you like this you want the nighttime version or you want the version where you can move the ships around and they're not stuck in the map come check out the patreon i'm sorry what was the the other part of your question uh yeah i think that covers it but um how about a newsletter well, oh what yeah role okay does so, that play so then well? you know i mean after you start the patreon it's really like a funnel into like is the it's almost like a litmus test is this business working is this idea something that people want? Well, in Limithron's case, it is. And then it's like, well, there are people who don't know this platform. Or there are people who are coming from other, you know, like my crossover of patrons to Kickstarter backers was not that high. And now we're in the process of like cross-pollinating. Like, hey, you are a backer. Why don't you come check out the Patreon? Or, hey, we, you know, we noticed that you didn't back. Have you checked out this game? Maybe you play fifth edition. Check out Pirate Borg, you know. So with that, we have built a mailing list through MailChimp to, you know, kind of help and through Facebook ads to like kind of, hey, does this interest you or is this something that you're into? Like sign up. This email list will give you free stuff. It's not just marketing. Like we are real people. We're like three real gamers. Like you're going to get an email. It's going to have free stuff in it. It's going to tell you about other stuff that might be free or that you can pay for. You know, so it all kind of breeds together. Um, Tying into that. We also started a podcast recently called Ship of the Dead. Basically, it's just my excuse to talk about all the nerdy stuff we're doing and then, you know, talk to some of my favorite people in the industry. So that's been a fun way to network and kind of get the word out of other people's products and and of our projects, you know? Yeah, I was listening to one of the episodes of, of Ship of the Dead, actually, to get ready for us chatting. Yeah. And I was actually surprised. I, I went into it kind of expecting, oh, there's going to be another live role-playing oh, yeah, yeah. game where you're on camera, you know, kind of doing it there. It's just interesting. You chose, you want to talk to other creators yes, in yes. the space about how they're doing it. How did you decide on on that as the model and how has it been going with your well, audience? Well, so my other, um, in, in the concert world, my company's called The Light Side. And that's, that name came out of my podcast, The Light Side, where I would basically sit down with other concert lighting designers and we'd talk about their thought process and how they lay out their console. I mean, these are like really deep dives. It's like I, I sat down with the the guys that do fish at Madison Square Garden. We talked for like three hours about all the technology and how they lay out their buttons, like stuff that pe- the concert goers would probably not care about past the origin stories, you know. And I really enjoyed that process. And honestly, through that podcasting experience, I made new friends and I made new colleagues. And I ultimately ended up getting the Smashing Pumpkins gig because of the contacts I'd made through the podcast. I mean, you know, I had to have good work, but it was just a really great tool to kind of crack that shell. Like if you're, for example, if you're a solo Patreon creator, you're not doing a lot of talking and networking with people because you're doing your own thing. Well, if you have a podcast, all of a sudden you're trying to network and talk to people. And so that's, it's kind of the, one of the like origins of the podcast. 
Yeah, it's a great idea. And, and use that for your own networking and connections and yeah, all sure. that. What's been the response from your patrons, kind of your audience? Are a lot of them interested? In it? Uh, it's interesting that you asked that. To be to be honest, I just ran a poll of like, hey, what do you guys want me to work on? Like, do you want to see city maps? Do you want to see battle maps? Do you want to see adventures, you know, tokens, that kind of thing? And the podcast was on there and it was the lowest rated thing. Um, but we kind of talked about it internally. And, you know, people who came to my Patreon didn't come for a podcast. They're not creators. They're game masters. And a lot of them, I mean, you know, I have a very niche view of the RPG world. So we kind of look at it more as a an outlet and a way to keep people updated and as a way to attract new people if you, by having guests on that don't know who Limithron is. So it's while there are a lot of great podcasts that use Patreon to help fund their podcast or you know i think our case is a little bit different and it's almost more like a uh company retreat business card flyer for people you know like it's, it's we're not it's not there to be salesy but it is there to be like an outreach right so so it's okay that our patrons don't really care about it <laughs> you talked about mailchimp and we we hear a lot of creators using that or other tools for kind of newsletters i'm actually curious are you using that in the integration with patreon it can pull in some of your member information or really just as a standalone tool that you are pulling the information back and forth right now it's just a standalone um, because the uh, actually, I didn't know there was integration, so I might have to check that out. Also, you know, I think you find as you become more and more successful, I guess, entrepreneur, that your time is much more, more and more valuable as time goes on. So time that I had early on to think about how I was going to use all these tools is really vanished. And, and now it's like, you know, oh, yeah, we're we're paying $80 a month. I mean, you know, like my mailing list now is like, I think it's. I think we're getting close to 50,000 or something like that. It's like, it's so big because of the Kickstarter and because of the, we, the free league publishing deal that we got. And because of Patreon that like, it's a lot to pay for it, but we don't even, I don't even have the time to think about it. Like I used to spend all this time thinking about how we're going to market things. And now it's just like, oh, when I'm on tour and I got maps to make, it's just a, it's kind of a whirlwind, you know? Is there something that comes to mind as the, the best purchase that has totally paid for itself and saving you a ton of time? When you say best purchase, what do you mean? Something you added to your workflow to automate it or bring in a tool that, that helps you run it better? Well, I guess one of my early goals, because uh, I used to do everything just with my, my, a mouse. One of my early, like, you know, you can set goals on Patreon. One of them was a, a Wacom uh, drawing tablet, and I didn't wait to hit it. I just bought it. Uh, and I couldn't really afford it at the time, but I, I just bought it. And like that thing has changed my life. And now I have an iPad too. So like I draw a lot, like I think half of Pirate Borg was drawn on the plane flying to and from gigs. So, oh, actually, you know, I, I think the iPad, man, I definitely, I bought like a iPad Pro and I feel like everybody who's at all artistic or in the audio world should own an iPad. <laughs> Such a good way to work like in a coffee shop, especially if you travel. So. Um, well, I want to take us deeper under the pirate themes. And okay. um, you're a member of Patreon's uh, Creator Ambassador Program. And, and you got very, a chance to very speak proudly, to them. Um, yes. Some of the folks there, they're, they're all like really passionate creators and, and sharing about what they're doing. And I loved you had this set of, of pirate themes that kind of yes. represent some of the things you've learned along the way. So why don't I tee you up with what okay. the theme was and you can explain what the real message behind it was. So first one was don't get flogged. Yeah, so I have this book called uh, be more pirate. And it's kind of like a little, you know, business entrepreneurial book about like do stuff different, but it's, a, it's basically like a history book of how these pirates, specifically the pirates of Nassau did things different. And one of the things that they do is they work r harder than everybody else. I mean, that's kind of one of my things is like, if you don't, 
if you slack off on a pirate ship, you're going to get flogged or you might, I mean, you know, walking the plank isn't actually a historically accurate thing, but like you, if you're down in the hold getting wasted on rum, you might get your throat slit. So like one of my early tenants was work harder than everybody else. And, you know, I think it drove my wife crazy. It still drives my wife crazy, but that's, that's how I am. I just am always working. I, today I'm on a day off from tour and I've, I've got my studio set up and I'll be working all day, you know? Um, so work harder than everybody else. That's my biggest thing with that. All right. That's a great one for creators. Uh, your second one was pirates raiding your ship can be a good thing. Oh, yes. Yes. So my, this is my big pitch was uh, when pandemic hit, like my whole idea, I mean, my identity is my work in a lot of cases. And I lost it when I can't go on tour. And, you know, I can't do concerts and people who are, you know, typically trying to hire you to learn how to do lighting. I do a lot of instructional educational stuff that all went away, you know. Uh, and that's, I, I look at that like getting raided by pirates. Back in the day, you used to, you know, you might have been a pressed gang sailor, a boy taken from a town against your will into a military ship where you get no pay, you get bad rations. And then pirates show up and they're basically like, look, you re give us all your stuff. Maybe we're going to kill you. Maybe we're going to leave you here by yourself. Or you can join. And that ends up being like the best thing that ever happens to them. And, you know, until they end up getting the noose. But the idea is that, you have to embrace those things that seem like terrible things. You know, at one point I was a company I used to run was getting sued and I was getting evicted from my apartment because I was broke and my girlfriend broke up with me. And like that led to where I am now. And I wouldn't trade any of that for this. So just, you know, so, got to fly the black hop on the hop on the pirate ship sometimes, you know? Yep. Yep. All right. And your last one was steal like a pirate. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I said this in that presentation, like, I unabashedly definitely steal. And I don't mean like I take people's pictures and put them up, but like I am a absolute sponge. My whole life, I've always been a sponge. Back when I was a drum and bass DJ in high school, I was like, well, how do I get better at this? Like I would just listen to other tracks and try to emulate their styles. Like my whole life, uh, that's how I get better at things is study the current thing. Che and Peku, I stole their assets to make my own until, until they were basically like, you're on the pirate ship now, like do your own thing, you know? So I, I really just encourage, uh, oh, a great example is when I first started making pirate ship maps, I would take model ship plans and put them top down and, you know, trace the outlines to get the general thing. And now I don't have to do that anymore. I, I, I know how to draw on my own. I that, through that method of studying, you know, open source, if you will, images, I, you know, created a, a skill set. And I think that you could do that with pretty much any industry with any skill set. Just study the people who are coming before you steal it. All right. Well, these are great lessons for our creators inspired by the pirates here. So that's a great place to, to wrap up. A reminder on those don't get flogged. Pirates raiding your ship can be a good thing mm -hmm. and steal like a pirate. Yes. Um, so, Luke, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Brian, thanks for having me. Thank you for Patreon for saving my life. Tune in next week to Backstage with Patreon, when we'll have Kenna Nelson on the show. She leads Patreon's product data science team, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of how creators, from data newbies to membership funnel ninjas, can leverage the data they have on and off Patreon about their fan base to understand and grow their earnings. To catch every episode of Backstage with Patreon, follow or subscribe in your podcast app and leave us a review. We also have transcripts available at patreon.com slash backstage. You're growing as a creator by listening to the show. 
So why not share the insights from this episode with another creator on Patreon or who is running a creative business? We'd love to have you as an active collaborator with Backstage with Patreon. Come join the discussion in the Patreon Creator Discord. Follow the link in the episode notes, and you can get answers to your follow-up questions directly from the guests and weigh in on what topics we'll be covering next. Editing by Tyler Morissette. I'm Brian Keller. See you next time. Backstage. Backstage.